Welcome to Plant Stories. The modern, the old, and the crazy in between. Myth or fact? Japanese wisteria twists clockwise around objects in its path, while Chinese wisteria twists counterclockwise. That one's a fact. I wonder who studied that. <laughs> that brings us into today's episode, Wisteria. Wisteria. I don't know why I wanted to say that, but I did. It's such a fun word. It is. Honestly, and it also rhymes with hysteria, which, despite its negative history, I also like that word, and I never get the chance to use it, so this is very close. Um, so... Wisteria is a genus of about 8 to 10 species of plants. Um, Most reports say 8, but for some reason I've seen a couple that say 10. So we're just going to say 8 to 10. And they're mostly native to Asia and then some parts of North America, although they are cultivated in many places because of the beautiful flowers they produce. They're so pretty. So pretty. So pretty. Um. (laughs) Wisteria the plant is a twinning woody vine and it's actually part of the pea family. So like the legumes. And um, you'll notice that because their seed pods kind of look like pea pods a little bit. I mean, they they don't look like pea pods, but they have that similar legume shape to them. They're little pods. The cultivated species that you're most likely to see, especially if you are in North America, include Wisteria floribunda, which is the variety that's native to Japan. And it's considered the hardiest of the genus. And obviously, floribunda means abundant with flowers. So many flowers. Uh, Wisteria frutescens, which is native to the southeast United States. And frutescens just means shrubby or woody. Hopefully I'm saying that word right. We all know that I botch every word that I run into. And <laughs> Wisteria sinensis, sinensis, yes, which I believe is another word that we've come across already in this podcast, because what it really means is of China. So if you have a plant that's native to China, a lot of them have that name in them. Uh, and that variety is native to China. Wisteria frutescens, so the North American variety, is relatively rare in the wild here in the United States, but it has been kind of cultivated for commercial use. And the flowers, which kind of are what make this plant so popular and well-known, they grow in these large drooping clusters that range in color from like blue to purple to pink and to white. And they can be anywhere between six and 20 inches long so they're pretty long flowers they're also thought to have a very pleasant aroma Um, unfortunately other than the flowers there are a lot of parts of this plant that are considered poisonous not deadly poisonous but will make you vomit a lot and not be right for days kind of poisonous so don't eat these is this like don't eat the flowers 
don't uh, chew d- on the bark. I don't know. <laughs> so, I mean, we'll talk about it a little bit more later, but the flowers are the only thing that really uh, is popularly edible, I guess. Um, but I would not, yeah, I would not eat the branches of this plant. Um, the plant itself can take several years to start flowering, which is often a complaint of people who attempt to buy and cultivate it themselves. It can take, you know, anywhere, I think, from like two to five years to actually get flowers, which, although they are beautiful, if you have, you know, a small plant, it can be a long time waiting before it really gets, you know, into flowering, full flowering mode. And it's also because of this that the plant is more often reproduced by cultivation and grafts of existing plants than waiting for the plant to seed naturally. So most of the time people prefer to essentially buy a cultivated piece rather than growing the plant from seed because that really will take years and years. Uh, The botanist Thomas Nuttall named Wisteria and it's supposedly for Casper Wistar, who was a prominent Philadelphia physician and anatomist. Which he said he named it for him. There are some other like weird reports, but they almost seem like casual rumors that people had that maybe it was named after, but Thomas Nadal himself said that he named it after Casper Wistar, so. Was he just like a person he liked yeah that's what it sounds like just a person he admired okay there are some things that I read that said they might have met but I'm not sure and like I said this plant is toxic but most notably the things that are toxic are the uncooked seeds so they can make you sick but no one's actually died from it It appears that the alkaloids in wisteria actually bind to carbohydrates, making them indigestible. And it can take a bit of extra time for the body to go back to its normal conditions once you ingest it. So, say no to these legumes. Yeah, don't eat those. Uncooked. I did see some reports that you could eat cooked ones, but, you know, let a professional do that. They're going to do it. Or just Uh, eat the flowers, you know? That's adventurous enough. (laughs) Uh, The Asian varieties of the plant are more likely to kind of spread up and out as vines, while American varieties actually tend to appear almost more like shrubs. And they have a slightly different looking flower structure, with the American variety having a much tighter cluster of flowers. And uh, Chinese wisteria specifically was introduced to the United States around 1816 and Japanese wisteria kind of followed in the 1830s. And it was for primarily ornamental purposes, just because people thought these flowers were really beautiful. And if you've ever, you know, been to one of these Asian countries, these flowers are often put on uh, big trellises or on, um, pergolas and things like that so that they grow and then these very floral you know plants have these hanging flowers that just 
as the wind wafts through them, wafts the scent of the flowers around. And obviously that's quite a enticing vision. Sounds very dreamy. Yeah, exactly. But this plant is considered invasive, especially in the United States um, and some other people places as well. As of 2009, foreign varieties of these plants in the U.S. go through most of the East Coast and as far out as Texas. Some of the bases of these plants can be up to 15 feet, which is like 4.5 meters in diameter if left untouched and in optimum conditions. So they get, you know, that's the trunk of a solid tree right there. 15 Mm -hmm. feet is large nice very it's large. not very tall so it's just like almost immediately branching out in all these areas well and that's the interesting thing so like i said before it actually does climb tall the japanese and chinese varieties obviously those are not native varieties so they're the ones that are invasive and uh these varieties can actually grow up to 70 feet tall And so they will grab things and climb them and you'll have these thin but very heavy vines, even heavier once they start flowering. Um, Because it'll just only add weight to an already heavy plant. And while this plant does prefer full sun, it has the ability to survive and persist in shaded areas, which definitely helps it to kind of take over other plant life you know, climbing trees slowly until it gets to the point where it can reach the sun and then it really kind of expands out. And one of the main reasons this plant is really considered invasive is because of its ability to climb trees and kill them. So what it often does is climbs these trees and does something called uh, girdling them. And girdling, it refers to a practice where you actually remove a strip of bark around a tree or a portion of a tree, which over time will cause its death, also known as ring barking. And so, you know, this wisteria will wrap tightly around an area of the tree, cutting off essentially a small section where it removes a strip of bark and then essentially kills the rest of the tree. Uh It prefers well-drained and deep soil, but it can survive in other soil conditions as well. So, you know, this, any tree really can fall victim to this if it's in the right, you know, zone and can grow there. And then even if the trees do manage to survive, it adds very heavy weight to the trees, resulting in damage, especially making them susceptible to storms. It decreases light to the native plants in the understory because it kind of creates that canopy. And it's very difficult to remove because of how thick those trunks can get at the base of the vine and kind of the just as intense root structure that appears underneath of it. Because in order to sustain a plant that can get that tall and that heavy, it's got to have some very, very thick root systems as well. Mm-hmm. Do you know if it's like a wide and shallow or a long and deep? It seems to be more kind of like of a combination of both. Um, I also think that if it were only shallow, it would be a lot easier to remove, really. But 
it usually turns out to be quite a pest by the time, you know, it gets to that point. On average, they live for about 100 years, although some have been known to even live for up to 250 years. So these plants have very long lifespans uh, if you are able to kind of establish them. They're just a pain if you want to remove them. So what's the removal attempt processes? It's primarily cutting it down as far as you possibly can uh, and removing the, some of the, you know, letting those vine structures die off and then trying to remove them uh, and then kind of spraying herbicides and maintaining the lack of growth on the top to kind of get it to die and then pulling the rest of it out after it dries up. So... It can be quite a process. Not quite the same, obviously, as something that can grow as quickly as, like, kudzu or something like that, where it can overtake a large area, and that can be what's the time-consuming process. Really, the more time-consuming process with this plant is just moving it at all, period, because it's so heavy and so large. And once those vines do reach those heights, it can be very difficult to untangle them and remove you know, like you said in your myth or fact, you know, they do actually twist around objects in their path and kind of attach to them. So that can potentially be harmful. Yeah. I wonder why they want to strangle the other trees. You would think that they would enjoy their support system. Uh, I mean, they don't actually gain necessarily any benefit from the tree except to reach more sun. And the only reason they need to reach more sun usually is because the tree is in the way. So essentially by knocking down parts of the tree, you give the rest of the plant the opportunity to get more light and to continue to grow. So I would think it's something like that. But, you know... I don't know that those plants necessarily care what they're doing either. <laughs> well, it seems like some of them have like, you know, evolved to have very good plants. It's true. Like, you know, you got to do what works for you. Yeah. I keep thinking of like, I think it was Kogan grass. That like, is a, it's like super fire, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and like super dry so it like catches on fire super well but like it's really good at like regrowing post-fire and so it's like ah perfect <laughs> like they almost feel like they're like oh no we're on fire ah. oh but actually now this is my home <laughs> so like the wisteria, yeah the wisteria is like oh no i can't reach the sunlight oh you fell over oh great now it's my home <laughs> yeah yep <laughs> they're they're just like oh this was this was nice this relationship we had but it doesn't suit me anymore mm -hmm. <laughs> push goodbye um but you know wisteria is a beautiful plant and people love it because of how pretty it is like we mentioned before wisteria flowers are also considered edible so some people use them to make things like drinks or cocktails or 
tea or put the raw flowers in salads. That's a great idea. Yeah, but because of the fact that the plant itself can be poisonous, you will not find this plant in an essential oil. So you can have like an herbal oil, which is more than likely in this case, like the flowers soaked in an oil until it absorbs some of that scent. Yeah. But it will not be an essential oil because essential oil has to do with steaming plant matter into, you know, and breaking it down. And uh, and if you did that, you would essentially have a poisonous essential oil. Uh, You definitely wouldn't want to eat it and it could possibly irritate your skin. So you won't find this, uh, you know, just like next to your eucalyptus oil for your, (laughs) you know, scent diffuser kind of deal. I want to digest my carbs, you know? (laughs) I do, honestly. And I I don't know about you, but I am 0% fan of making myself sick. (laughs) So it's also true that in some pagan traditions, wisteria has been used as a channeling oil. So basically an herbal oil used for kind of focusing yourself and organizing your thought. And it's also believed that wisteria can help kind of keep people in touch with that softer side of themselves that, you know, I don't know how you can't like look at wisteria and say, this is beautiful. Yeah. Cause it is beautiful. So, I mean, I don't think that has anything to do with gender, <laughs> but it, that's kind of what, it's meant is to put you in that kind of softer mood. In Chinese medicine, the seed was actually historically used as a diuretic and used for heart conditions. There are a few other kind of scattered reports of them being used for other things in Chinese medicine, but I couldn't confirm any of them, so I won't bother with them. Um, it seems like even though this was used, probably because it was... Uh, an abundant plant in its native land and people were growing it because it was available. There were other plants that had a stronger medicinal effect, even for these things that it was used for uh, that were more worth harvesting than necessarily the wisteria. And it's also true that in China they did eat the flowers sometimes they usually fried them with sugar and flour to eat and it was a delicacy known as tanglo like a little flower pancake so it sounds like um i think it was more that it was like dusted with flour and sugar and then fried Mm, so it'd be like yeah fried flowers I don't know, is that like fried kale or something? I guess people don't <laughs> fry kale because it's supposed to be healthy, but something you can like fry that. anything. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I'll try that with like borage flowers. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know how it would taste. I'm this sounds like I think maybe the flowers have like a sweet floral taste. So like adding sugar and flour might be might be good. I don't mm. know. And then um, 
fiber from the stems can actually be used to make paper and the paper ends up being what is described to me many times as a buff color i assume that means like like yellow (laughs) light brown i don't know (laughs) i have no idea but basically the process is that leaves are removed stripped from the stems and then the stems are steamed until they can be sh- the stripped for the fibers and then the fibers are baked and milled into paper. Hmm. It doesn't seem like it's maybe the most popular method of paper making that ever existed, but it can be done. Just in case you were wondering. For my paper making side hustle. Exactly. If you were like <laughs> If you were like, you know, we're really trying to bring back stationery. You could be like, yes, this is my high quality wisteria stationery that I killed a probably 70 year old plant for. I just <laughs> took some branches. There's still one. <laughs> I, I did a technique called ring barking. Have you ever heard of it? <laughs> it's going to be fine. <laughs> inspired by the wisteria itself so yeah yeah to totally unto others as you would do to yourself <laughs> does it do anything else for us not really that's pretty much it um except for you know making our lives slightly better as long as you don't eat it you know that's that's what it's here for uh you know and like i said this you know, this episode mostly focuses on the Japanese and Chinese varieties. There is a native uh, North American variety. It's just rare to find in the wild. And it is not as, I think, attractively viney, although it will vine after a certain period of time. It's not as attractively viney as these other varieties are. So. I might put this on my list of things to plant at my future property well my mini tip for the day is do not plant this next to your house and the reason for that is because it can really weigh down your house Uh, if you are going to plant it they there are always other suggestions i think for things that might not be so invasive to the area or so difficult to remove um You know, you might just want to consider something a little less intense or possibly the native variety of the plant instead. Yes, of course. <laughs> Pro-native plants. Yes. Uh, but even if you were to buy it, I would never suggest putting it near your house because it can, you know, it's got the thick root system. It has the very heavy branches. You know, putting that near your house can surely cause damage just like if you were to plant a tree directly next to your home it could potentially cause damage at some point or another um and this plant is you know i'm not gonna say it's like rapidly growing again it's not like kudzu or anything like that where it's spreading and spreading constantly but it's also not necessarily a slow grower like it does need to be pretty big before it starts flowering and that means it needs to have a lot of vines. And those vines are thick, woody, and heavy. 
So what are we going to talk about in our next episode? In our next episode, we're going to talk about Japanese honeysuckle. Ooh, that sounds so nice. It does. <laughs> I bet it's also pretty and also somehow terrible. I'm curious. Well, next episode, we're going to find out. I'll share some anecdotes about honeysuckle from my childhood. <laughs> that is what everyone wants to hear, I know. Yep. Mm-hmm. That sounded more sarcastic than I meant it. No, they're pleasant stories. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you all for joining us on our latest episode of Plant Stories. This is Invasive Plants, Wisteria, and Invading Heaven. We look forward to you joining us next week as we learn all about the Japanese honeysuckle. Thank you, Mimi, for another great episode. Bye! Bye!